Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Follow along. These verses will be on the screen as I read them. In Acts 4.1, the Bible says, And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold, to the next day, for it was now eventide, howbeit many of them heard the word and believed. And the number of the men was about 5,000. And it came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes and Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had sent, set them in the midst, they asked, By what power... Or by what name have you done this? Verse 8 says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, You rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. And they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, Everyone Should See It in You. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. God, I thank you for each person who's come here today. And God, we love you and we believe in you. We believe that your son died, was buried, and rose again on the third day. And I ask you now, God, to bring forth your word with power. God, I pray that you would anoint me, strengthen me to say the things that you'd have me to say and give us ears to hear what you say to us this morning from your word, by your spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Everyone should see it in you. There is something that should be different about a Christian. Throughout all ages, this has been the truth of the body of Christ. But I'm telling you now, as I stand before you, that in 2022, it's not as easy as it used to be. Hmm, we're going to get into it. I want you to get your, get your mind right. I want you to really be desperate this morning. If you'll be desperate for God, he will come through for you. As we read this text this morning, the story is about what happened to Peter and John after they healed this man at the gate of the temple in the previous chapter. Now, the religious leaders of the day, they were fed up with the followers of Jesus Christ. They, they, they had had enough. They were tired of it. They wanted it to stop. They wanted to go back to business as usual before this rabble-rousing revolutionary named Jesus Christ came around and empowered a bunch of normal people to rise up. Oh, I'm saying more than y'all are sitting there staring at the floor. But I'm going to tell you, the same God who, who was doing stuff then is still doing stuff today. If he's not doing it in your world, then that's on you. They were fed up. They, they'd had all they could take. And, and, and Jesus, the name Jesus was spreading throughout the earth. They were putting these people in jail for talking about Jesus. And I, I prophesied to you today, if the world lasts another 20 years, they will be putting people in jail in the United States of America for talking about Jesus. They're already doing it in Europe. They're already doing it in Canada. It is, it is nigh unto our border. It's even among us right now. They are threatening pastors with what can and cannot be said 
from the pulpit. That's the beginning of trying to silence the mouthpieces before they get to the masses. And that's what we see happening right here. And what does the Bible tell us? We have these stories for our examples. What was then will be again. And Peter and John had healed this man at the gate. They were so mad about it. They, they See, the world isn't mad when the church hides in the shadow. The world isn't mad when the church plays politically correct. Nobody's upset when, when we live just like the world lives. How many of y'all believe that this, this uh, God in the flesh who spent time as a carpenter, never made a sin in his life, started teaching elders at 12 years old in the temple? How many of y'all think he would be concerned with misgendering people and calling boys girls or girls boys? How, how many of y'all think that, that now, now maybe the, the apostles before the resurrection... Okay, but we are after the resurrection. See, Peter was a coward before the resurrection, but he got some boldness after the resurrection. And how, how many of y'all know these people would not be sitting by watching what's going on in today's Well, we just, you know, we should just be quiet. Got to love everybody. Well, you, you can love. Listen, I love my son, but if I see him doing something whack, I'm going to tell him. I love everybody in this room in general, but if, if the building was on fire, I wouldn't, I wouldn't just say, uh, c- come on, Henry Nixon, let's slide out the side door and let the rest of these people. We, we, we don't want to offend anybody. Don't want to raise my voice and scream fire. You look comfortable. I don't want to shake you out of your comfort zone. You don't, you don't know a building's on fire without screaming it. But the biggest churches in America now are the ones who aren't screaming it. The biggest churches in America are the ones who aren't telling it. The biggest churches in America are the ones dominated by lost people in their pews, fakers in the pulpit, and homosexuals in the choir. Mm. Truth's the truth. Anyhow, they were mad. Oh, the world. Listen, I'm not saying that we should do things contrary to what the law says. The Bible says we should keep the law of the land unless it conflicts with the written law of God. That's what the apostles will say in the next chapter. In chapter 5, they'll go on to tell the government, uh, you you know, we got to obey God and not man. We played by your rules until your rules conflicted God. So here's my question to you. What are you going to do when the rules conflict God? What are you going to do when they say, taking the Bibles off the shelf? Listen, they're taking Dr. Seuss out of schools. They're taking Dr. Seuss out of libraries and schools because uh, thing one and thing two might offend thing one or thing two. These things aren't real. But we're so concerned with inclusivity. Every Fortune 500 company now has a DEI department. You know what DEI stands for? diversity, equity, and inclusion. You got to make sure, listen, if you have, you may or may not, I'm going to go with you don't, but you may or may not in your department have some gay, transgender, cross-dressing, transitioning, dress-wearing, used to be a man, now wants to be called a woman on Thursdays and a billy goat on Saturdays. You may or may not have one of those in your department, but... They're going to make sure that you have banners put up for one just in case they're there. Not putting any banners up in case they have a saved, sanctified, fire-baptized, Holy Ghost-loving, Bible-toting, Scripture-quoting, devil-chasing child of God in the room. There's no diversity allowed there. There's no inclusion allowed there. And I'm going to tell you as long as God gives me breath. This book is not inclusive, and the God of this book is not inclusive. Jesus said, I'm the only way to heaven. Anybody that tries to come a different way is a thief and a liar and will perish in everlasting fire and brimstone in torment forever. That's not warm and fuzzy. That's hot and horrible. That's not diverse. Well, you know, maybe we should take the Bibles off the shelf because what about the Muslims? Well, what about them? What about the, you can't even say gays anymore. You certainly can't say, you, you can't, certainly can't say homos. What about the LGBTQ, P, F, 
I-A. This is all real now. I'm not making this up. I started doing this once they added uh, uh, GBT. It just keeps growing and growing and growing and growing. Listen, America is not overrun with transsexual, cross-dressing, transitioning eight-year-olds who are trying to figure out if they're a boy. This is not the problem they've tried to convince us that it is. What it is is a distraction to move us into a a pliable way where you will look at some five-year-old. Listen, if your five-year-old son, if your eight-year-old son wears a dress to school, they ought to say, boy, take that dress off. Well, we we don't want to ruffle any feathers. I'm going to tell you what, the apostles were ruffling feathers. They were sick and tired of the apostles. They were sick and tired of Jesus, and they were sick and tired of anyone who had the boldness to say, there is a way to do things right. I've told my kids their whole life, whether it was taking out the trash, washing dishes, or following God, there's a right way and a wrong way to do everything. But the world right now wants us to placate, bow down, quiet down, hush up, and back up. And the sad reality is, I see it happening. I see it happening. Do you know if there was somebody bold enough on television, if somebody had a large enough platform that they began to preach the flat-footed gospel of Jesus Christ to get right or get left, heaven, uh, heaven or hell, that they would be ostracized. And every real Christian would be having them on their YouTube, and they'd be saying, they'd be sending me notes like, Pastor Scott, this guy preaches like you. Well, he doesn't really, but he's just not ashamed of being a Christian. And I'm wondering, where do you fit in to this ever-changing landscape of life? 2,000 years ago, Peter and John, they're getting arrested. They're getting all jacked up for doing nothing other than healing people. How about that? How about that? Criticized for doing good. How about that? Now, see, I'm telling y'all, everything that you see happening in the world is a setup. It looks natural, but it's spiritual. It, I'm going to say it again. It looks natural, but it's spiritual. It's a setup. The world is trying to set us up. They want to take from us everything they can take from us, and they want to trick us and make it think it's for our own good. Mm. I could stay on that, but I'm going to move on. Look at verse 7. Let's get into this text. In verse 7, uh, the Bible says, And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Now, what follows this is a, a bold speech by the Apostle Peter, who, who just days before had even denied knowing who Jesus was. There's a transition, say transition. There, there, there's a difference that had happened in his life, and, and this brings me to my first point. Your, your past failures don't eliminate you from succeeding today. Don't let how you messed it up before make you think that you're not qualified to do it now. Don't let you think, don't ever think that because you didn't stand up and do what was right then that you have no platform to stand up and do what is right now. Hear me good. If you're a Christian, you got all the platform you need. If you're you're saying what Jesus would say, you got all the platform you need. You don't have to have a large church. You don't even have to have a microphone. If you got the Holy Ghost living inside you, the Bible says that you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes to live inside you to be bold witnesses to the whole earth. And I'm going to tell you this. There must not be a lot of spirit-filled people in the world. Because I see more people hushing up than standing up. I see more people backing down than stepping up. I see more people shrinking than swelling. And it is beyond time. I told you, the, the, the motto of uh, 2022 for our church is knowing him and making him known. You can't make Jesus known by cowering down every time you have an opportunity to speak up for him. And it's time for us to learn the lessons of the early church. I've had so many people tell me, oh, Pastor, I just wish we could see just the miracles of the early church. Well, there, there, there's a way to get there, but it's hard. Say hard. Past failures, the enemy will try to use in your mind as, as disqualifiers. Well, who are you to say something? You, you failed at this, that, and the other thing. Well, Peter failed at this, that, and the other thing. Did God use him? 
Abraham failed at this, that, and the other thing. Did God use him? All these people have had failures, but we need to do what the Apostle Paul did. The Apostle Paul was by any standard the great apostle. The Apostle Paul was by any standard the most used human being in the history of the Lord's church. God used this man not only to spread the gospel to two different continents, but he wrote half of the New Testament through the hand of this one man. This one man who not only was obviously the great apostle, but he was also the worst offender of the church before he became the great apostle. He, he was going around incarcerating people. He was working for the oppressor and oppressing his own people. He was having people executed for no other crime than being a Christian. But then when he got saved for real, he didn't sit back and say, well, I can't go to Ephesus because I had lots of their family members arrested. You know how hard it would be to, to go preach to a crowd of people where, where you had there are people in that church arrested and executed in front of their family members, and then he pops up. Remember me? That's not the time to come off 2022 mega church. Hello, friends. God loves you, and we're just so glad you came today. No, he came preaching with power and truth, and, and he, he had the mindset that it's going to take you to have. They're going to hear it whether they like it or not. They're going to hear it whether they agree with it or not. They're going to hear it whether they imprison me or not. It's not going to be politically correct. It's not going to be diverse. It's not going to have equity or inclusion. It's going to be a one-way message and let the chips fall where they may. But see, that takes people that are willing to go to jail. That takes people who are willing to ruffle feathers. That takes people who are willing to, listen, Start change in their own life. I said past failures don't prevent you from being successful in Christ, but living in that failure every day, that's going to make it tough. That is going to make it tough. Uh, if, if you got cocaine all around your nose and you're walking up to people saying, follow Jesus and obey the law of the land, well, got a pretty big problem. That's why we don't have bumper stickers. I see these people with these bumper stickers, so-and-so church on the back, on their windshield, on the back windshield, little window stickers, doing 90 miles, passing me like I'm sitting on, on, on a, tied on a stump, passing me like I'm sitting on blocks. And I'm thinking, that's not a good testimony. Driving crazy while advertising your church. Hey, we had to learn the hard way. We, we, we had a... a a Puerto Rican man on our staff one time, and I'm not saying all Puerto Ricans drive fast, but my goodness. And this dude, do they all drive fast, Josh? They do? Okay. Well, he was keeping it real then. His dude was driving the church van, and it had our name on it. And it had our phone number on it. We pressure washed that off. Uh, and listen, when you pressure wash off old lettering, yeah, we did take some paint with it, but we were getting that off because we had someone call us. They were riding down I-10, and they said, your van just almost caused a 25-car pileup. This man's doing 90 miles an hour, weaving in and out of traffic in a van. I'm like, we take the name off that thing and take the keys from that brother. We have got to get to a place where we can open our mouths and, listen, not be perfect, but be credible. Peter wasn't perfect, and his credibility could be shot down by what he had done in the past. But it's not about what you did then. It's about what you're doing now. Paul said, and, and it, no one knew this message better than Paul because he understood. I, I've done horrible things, but that was then and this is now. And he said in Philippians 3.13, No, dear brothers and sisters, I'm still not all I should be. But I'm focusing all my energies on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Here's what I want you to do today. Get involved in the scripture. Don't just be somebody who hears it and doesn't change. Do what the scripture says do. If you want what others have, do what they did to get it. Paul said, I'm still not all that I should be. How many people know that's you? All right. Uh, there, there's two types of people in the room right now. People who are not all they should be in Christ and people who are still lost and haven't even started yet. Okay. So if you didn't raise your hand, you lost and need to get saved. You take care of that before you leave here today or just start raising your hand when it's time to raise your hand. He said, no, I'm still not all. That's every Christian in the world's testimony. There, 
Well, I just want to wait until I get everything lined out in my own life to get involved in ministry. You'll never get involved in ministry. Well, I just feel like, you know, I got I to gotta set some things right. Set them right then. What are you waiting on? Jesus is coming back. He said, I, I'm still not all I should be. Now, this dude came out of some horror. He said, but I'm focusing all my energies on this one thing. I want to tell you something. We don't fit into that point. We fit into the I am still not all I should be. But I haven't met anybody that fits into the next phrase. I'm focusing all my energies on this. What if you focused all your energies on God? Well, you know, but I got my fantasy football team. You know, it's almost football season. Well, you know, I got to go to the gym and work out. I want to tell you what. I, see, I, I could get all up in Deacon Dixon's grill right now. But I believe he spends time with the Lord. But I, I, I don't know anybody that goes to the gym that spends more time with God than they spend with their gym. I could get off on uh, in, in any direction right now. I know parents who go watch their children play sports. Nothing wrong with that. But are you at the park? I, hey, I grew up at parks. I used to see the, 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 the heavyset lady with the scorebook in her hand uh, with on, printed on the back of her shirt, Tommy's mom. You think Tommy's mom spends more time at the ballpark or in the Word of God? I could talk about people who watch TV, play on, play on their phone, like video games, When will someone focus all their energy on this one thing? This is what needs to happen. Now, I'm not saying that, that you, you, you got to just throw away everything. There's things that have to be done. But would it be right for the Christian to put God first? Everybody in this room will say, oh, I put God first. Really? Well, I, I love what many pastors have said. You, you can tell what people value if you look at their bank statement. Where you spend your time and your money, that's what you value. But Paul said, man, I'm focusing all my energies on this one thing. I'm forgetting the past, and I'm looking forward to what lies ahead. We've got to get forward thinking. We've got to get our mindset on what's eternal and not what's temporary. Because here's the reality. When Jesus comes back and takes you off this planet, there will be no one left to tell your family about Jesus. Because all the Christians are going to be gone. And the Holy Spirit is going to leave with us. And the Bible says that, there, that there's this one who's here now that is holding back sin. But when he's gone, there will be no presence to hold sin back any longer. You better tell everybody you know about Jesus while you can because the Bible says we got to work while it's today because there's a day coming when no one can work. If you listen and hear this, don't let your past dictate your future. Turn the page on whatever's been holding you back and start being a New Testament Christian. Listen to what Peter said in verse 8 of Acts 4. Then Peter, comma, always pause, think about it. Pay attention to the punctuation. We see who's about to be talking. Peter. Then Peter, comma, here's a side note for you, filled with the Holy Ghost. You want to be all God wants you to be? That has to happen in your life. That right there has to happen in your life. I've had people ask me, well, Pastor, I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost, but I don't feel like I am. Listen, if, if, if your life is like a glass, as long as it's filled up with sand, you can't fill it up with anything else. If it's filled up with rocks, you can't fill it up with anything else. If you want nothing but water in your glass and it's got Kool-Aid in it, you not only have to pour the Kool-Aid out, you got to clean that glass out and get some clean water in it. For some of us, we're going to have to empty out. I love that one song that says, empty me, fill me. Empty me, fill me. And we need to be emptied of the world and filled with God's Spirit. Peter was filled with the Holy Ghost. He said to them, ye rulers of the people and elders of 
Israel. In verse, look, look, look what he said in verse 9. If we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it made known unto you all. This doesn't sound like a dude who was just being a coward. This doesn't sound like somebody who just denied Jesus three times days before. Let me tell you something. Something happened to Peter. Something happened to Peter. Yes, it was the infilling of the Holy Spirit, but here's something else that happened to Peter. He made a decision to stop failing and start moving forward. And I hope that somebody today will make a decision to stop failing and start moving forward. There's not one person in this room that's doing everything that they should be doing. There's not one person in this room focusing all their attention. There's not one person in this room that has not been failing at their task. From the preacher to the sound booth, we all need to stop failing and start moving forward. Oh, I thank God for two people that know how to say amen. He said in verse 10, Be it known, made known to you all, to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified. Oh, he's not shrinking down. He's pointing fingers. Man, I don't believe you should criticize publicly. Uh, yeah. Tell the truth publicly. Let it be made known loudly. He said, you crucified him, God raised him from the dead. This, this, is, this is why this man's standing before you whole. He said, the stone which you rejected is now the head of the corner. And in verse 12, I want you to get this. And I want you to memorize this verse. And I want you to write verse 12 down in your mind on a 3 by 5 card. Put it in lipstick on your mirror in your bathroom. I want you to get to know what this verse says and understand it. Neither is there salvation in any other. Colon. Paul's on the punctuation. There is no salvation outside of Jesus. Islam can't get you there. A decade ago, our, our, our city was mired in a controversy because right up the street from us, how many of y'all remember that crazy preacher in Gainesville who said he was going to burn the Quran? President Obama came out urging people, please, Americans, I come to you as your president, and I'm urging you to not burn the Quran because the Quran is a holy book read, read by many Americans every day. And we were urged by our leaders. We were urged by people everywhere. Ooh, don't burn the Quran. Guess what I did? You remember what I did, Henry? What did I do? Who did I take with me? <laughs> me and Henry got in, got in a car, and we drove down there to see this nut job. Now, he was crazy, for sure. We went to his little tiny church in Gainesville. Man, this dude, this dude had whack posters all around his office. The dude that met us had a gun. He had a gun. I ain't mad at guns, uh, but this dude was on edge. And during that time, I Googled burn the Bible. Do you know there's over 5,000 videos at that time on YouTube of people not only burning the Bible, but setting it on fire, pulling out their private parts and peeing on it and laughing about it? No president was telling us don't burn the Bible. Oh, freedom of speech, you know, First Amendment rights and freedom of expression. Nobody was telling us not to burn the Bible, but we were being blasted. This, the whole world, and, and, and here comes that religion of peace. You know, we've been told by all our presidents that Islam is a religion of peace. Then why we got to be so scared of people? Well, well, don't burn the Quran. It'll start a war. Well, from who? The, the, the religion of peace? Pastor, you shouldn't talk about specific other religions. All people have a right to choose. Yeah, all people do have a right to choose their own religion. Here's the problem, though. Uh, one is true and the rest are false. And our city got thrust into that limelight because the pastor, then the pastor of First Baptist Church downtown Jacksonville, Dr. Jerry Vines, stood up when they asked him about the differences between religions. He said that Christianity is a superior religion to Islam. 
and the whole world came and started crashing on him. Then they were worried about Muslims showing up at First Baptist Church downtown Jacksonville, burning it to the ground. Oh, who? That religion of peace? Those people? Yeah, those people. Those people that have scared Christians into the closet in America because they have threatened violence. Listen, Christians have never been scared of violence in the past. What's going on now? Christians have stood up in the past. What's going on now? But Dr. Vine said it then, and he's not here anymore, so I'll say it for him. Undeniably, uncategorically, with no shame and no fear, I will tell you plainly, Christianity is superior to Islam. Christianity is superior to Judaism. Christianity is superior to paganism. Christianity is superior to every other false religion in the world because there is there is no salvation in any other name, for there is none other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus is the only way. Well, I don't want to tell my cousin that because my cousin is gay. And Why you got to hate Jesus because you're gay? Well, what, 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 you, you won't tell your cousin? Well, I, I can't say that it's wrong because my, my in-law's brother's nephew on my third cousin's sister's side uh, is, is, you know, bi-curious. Why you got to hate Jesus? Because you're bi-curious. I eat too much. I still love Jesus. I'm fat. I still love I know it's wrong to be fat. Don't say fat. Well, legit. There are pastors out there to teach. Don't ever say fat from the pulpit. I'm going to help everybody in the room right now. Unless they have a mental disorder, fat people know that we are fat. If you doubt me, I should do it right now. I don't want to hurt I don't want to hurt nobody visually. I uh, Get, get, stand up, Elder Keon. Everybody look at Elder Keon. Okay? Now, just imagine if I paraded this handsome young man down the aisle, elder in our church. And don't do it right now. Don't. Okay? And I said, just peel that shirt off one time, player. Guy's got much. And, and then I said, I'm going to show you. Listen. And then I peeled my shirt off. Huh? <laughs> With who's fat? Yeah, sit down. <laughs> Nobody would leave here wondering which one of us has the most jiggle, jiggle, jaggle, jiggle on their belly. Why are we so scared to say anything? Well, Pastor, you don't want to offend anyone. The truth is the truth anyhow. You can say it with love. You know, you can say it with love. You, you can be loving and say, praying for your health, Pastor. I know what you mean. <laughs> but it's time the blood-bought church start telling the truth. Fat people need to lose weight. Gossipers need to shut up. Liars need to start telling the truth. Thieves need to stop stealing. Homosexuals need to stop using a man as they supposed to. The Bible says when a man... Lays with a man, the way he lays with a woman, it's abomination to God. When a woman lays with a woman, the way she should lay with a man. Listen, we just need to start telling the truth and let the chips fall where they may. Well, if we do that, my cousin will never come to church here. Where are, they, are, are, they, are they going to church faithful somewhere now? Are they all that in a bag of chips for Jesus right now? Well, we might turn them off. From Jesus. What the Bible say? There, there's not there's salvation in no other. There's no other name. It's only by Jesus. This is the least inclusive religion on the planet. And oh, the rulers back then, they were so angry. Listen to verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they perceived they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. But look what happened after they marveled. They took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. They're sitting there, all these named people, all these high and mighty 
rulers, and they're looking at these two fishermen. No education, no formal education, no, no background in academia, no, no, no huge monetary success. They were just working class people with no, no, no college education, but they marveled and they took knowledge of them. Listen, this is what the lost people said about them. They've been with Jesus. How could they tell that they had been with Jesus? Because they talked like Jesus. They had that same power in their voice that Jesus had. They had that same voice. They had that same spirit. Listen, you start hanging around people, you're going to pick up some stuff. I, I've messed with Nancy. Wave it, everybody, Nancy. Nan Nancy has told her husband, El Elder Jimmy Rich, uh, stop acting like your pastor. You ever told him that? <laughs> she said, yes. You start hanging around people, you pick some stuff up. How much are you like Jesus? When's the last time somebody said, wow, you've been hanging out with Jesus? Back in the day, I'd drop it, but I don't feel like picking it up anymore. <laughs> Sound booth's thinking, man, he's finally growing up. He quit. He's not down. I ain't worried about this microphone. Y'all think I'm taking, I, my back hurts. When you hang around people, you become a little more like them. When you hang around them a lot, you become a lot like them. My kids can tell who I'm talking to on the phone just by the way I'm talking. I remember when my mom uh, lived, lived in my house, and she'd get on the phone with, with her. Now, my mom's country has a chicken foot. But when she would get on the phone to her family in Rayville, and I've told you all about Rayville, Louisiana. Rayville, Louisiana, I don't even think it's a real city. I talked to a lady the other day, Mom. She, she just retired from teaching in, at Dell High, and she was there for 42 years as a teacher. Uh, I don't even think Rayville's a real city. Uh, it's just a town kind of deal. And I told y'all that when people in, in my mom's hometown talk about let's, let's go uptown to spend some money, they're talking about going to Monroe. Now, if you don't know what Monroe, Louisiana is famous for, Monroe, Louisiana is famous for two things. Number one, being uptown, city-fied, uh, high commerce to the people in my mom's hometown. To the rest of the world, it's known as the home of those long-bearded, rednecks, Duck Dynasty. Now, when the Duck Dynasty crowd is uptown to you, okay, that's where my mom is from. But my mom, when she would get on the phone to people in her family, she would go from sounding country to sounded country. She would go from being southern to deep south in a heartbeat. Listen, when you hang around people, you start acting like them. Who do people see in you? Who do people see in you? Who do you remind someone of? Is anybody looking at you? These are the rulers of the day. These are the people that had incarcerated the followers of Christ, and they finally had to come to this conclusion. Man, they ain't much, but I know for sure. They took knowledge of them. I know that they have been with Jesus. That is the goal. This is the mission. This is where the body of Christ needs to get to. Get off your education. Get off pursuing your passion and start hanging around Jesus so much that somebody confuses you for somebody who hangs around Jesus. They took knowledge of them. They, the thing that they recognized the most about these apostles was not what most Christians see that they have to offer today. It wasn't big buildings and nice parking lots. It wasn't fancy cars and airplanes. It wasn't the size of their church or the ability, their ability to preach. It was the fact that they had been with Jesus. The majority of churches right now in America are in a building process they got a building fund well let me tell you how backwards minded that is over 97 percent of churches in america are in decline right now why are they saving money for a building fund they don't need another building they need to get it with jesus they need to start impacting their community they need to start feeding the hungry clothing the naked they need to start standing flat-footed and saying jesus is the only way to heaven well, Pastor, I was just hoping one day we'd have a, a really big church and all the seats would be filled and everybody would be happy. Um, yeah, sure. Okay. K 
Can we do that while telling the world that Jesus is the only way and everybody else is going to hell? What is the goal here, church? I told you in January of 2022 that our mission for this year would be to, to know Jesus and to make him known. Do you really think you're going to win a popularity contest telling people Jesus is the only way? The church, that word church is not used in the Bible much, but the Greek word for our English word church is ekklesia. And it means the called out ones. And it comes from a legislative term for town council meetings in the first century. And the ecclesia, the expanded definition, were a small group of selected people who were called out of their homes into a commonplace to gather together for a very important meeting. God said that's what church is. It's a small group of selected I'll give you a, a shorter word for selected, elected people to come out from their homes and gather together for a very important meeting. Our meeting today is important. Our meeting today is important because we are doing what our God told us to do. And he said that uh, to obey is better than to sacrifice. We're obeying God by being here today. But we got to take it further, say further. We've got to spend time with Jesus. We've got to start hanging out with God. We've got to start spending time with him so people will see us. Now, Peter made a transition in his walk from Christ. He went from being a failure who denied God to being famous for declaring Christ. Everybody knows uh, that studied Christianity much that Peter preached on Pentecost and thousands of people got saved. He went from being a hiding coward to a bold professor of Christ. And, and I, I want you to see this in verse 13 again. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived they were unlearned and ignorant men. They marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. I believe the key to being effective in God's kingdom is being with Jesus. You want to see your family become more Christian than they already are? You start being with Jesus more. You want to see more people in your family become saved? You start being with Jesus more. You want to be more effective? I've told it to our staff for years now, for decades. The key to having success in ministry publicly is having a successful private devotion. Nothing happens for real until God's people spend time with God. Lots of churches that are great at promotions and 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 and. Um, publication if we started promoting if we started uh, having massive outreaches listen i promise you this we could do it you, I, i'm not going to prove it to you you're just going to have to trust it by faith there's a church i'm not dissing anybody i love all churches different flavors for different people there's a church around the corner from here that on easter they advertised, this was years ago, they advertised to everybody in the community. They spent tens of thousands of dollars on advertisement that they were going to fly a helicopter over a soccer field and drop 10,000 plastic eggs with candy in it. I, I, I know they targeted your neighborhood, Elder. Do you, you remember that? that and listen, do you think if we targeted every house, if we spent thousands of dollars if we just took our one-month budget from the money we spend to all these missionaries overseas that preach the gospel and tell hurting people about Jesus, if we said, you know what, Philippines, no money this month for you. Liberia, no money for you and our 13 churches in, in West Africa. If we said Ecuador, Belgium, now you're not getting any money from us this month. India and Belize, you're on your own. Nicaragua, Romania, Belgium, we're not going to send you any money this month. What we're going to do is we're going to send out a color brochure to 10,000 homes in this area area we're going to pay rent on a helicopter and we're going to drop a bunch of candy on this empty field at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning how many y'all know people to show up you think more people show up for that than showed up for this you better believe it you better believe it I, I know one pastor who when he started his church he took a flyer and he stapled a bag of Orville Red how many y'all remember Orville Redenbacher we had to get away from Orville Redenbacher. We had to start buying generic. Food costs too much. Uh, stapled a bag of Orville Redenbacher to a church flyer that said, we're having a popping good time this Sunday at church. Come 
and enter the, be entered into the free raffle to be one of ten people to win. A, and they had a picture of the brand new microwave. You've got the popcorn. Come get the microwave. How many of y'all know folks showed up to get that microwave? They had more plans for it than they had for that bag of popcorn. Some of them were like, I'm going to take that back to Walmart and get my $69 out of it. This dude recommended that foolishness to me. Y'all think we're going to give away microwave ovens just to beg people to come to church? Listen, you ought to be thankful that the doors are open when you get here. You don't have to come to church. We're allowed to come to church. God promises to meet with us when we gather in his name. We shouldn't have to use gimmicks, gifts, helicopters, candy, and microwaves. But let me tell you something. That'll build a crowd faster than the truth. And I tell all of them what I was told as a young preacher. Whatever you use to bring them is what you're going to have to use to keep them. And we're not going to build a ministry on candy and popcorn. We're going to build whatever ministry is built here on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. On him being the only way to get to heaven and have a relationship with his father. But if we're going to change the world, they're going to have to see in us what they saw in the apostles 2,000 years ago. They're going to have to see that we had been with Jesus. So how do we do it? Well, we got to read his word. Oh, if you had a stopwatch on your word reading time this week, did you read more word than you talked on the phone to family and friends? Did you read more word than you spent playing online? Did you read more word than you spent playing computer games? And, and did, did you read more word than you spent? Did you talk about Jesus more than you talked about sports and family? We got to get in his word. There's power in the word of God. The, the psalmist said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. When you come to that fork in life where you can choose bad or choose good, if, if you don't have word in you, you've got no foundation. You've got nothing to rise up. You've got to put the word in you so at the right moment it can come up out of you and remind you, don't do that because God hath said. You've got to know what God hath said. You got to get the word in you so it can come out of you. I, I know what you mean when you say it, and I thank God for the testimony. Oh, Pastor Scott, I thank God for the Holy Ghost. I had this happen at work, and they almost got a piece of my mind. I thank God for every almost. Because the world doesn't need a piece of your mind. The world needs the word of God to come up out of you and manifest itself in the presence of a lost and dying world. We got to spend time reading his word. Not only that, we got to spend time in prayer. I'm going to go ahead and tell you tonight, hear, hear this. You, you want to see who a real prophet in the world is? Watch this. I'll give you a prophecy. I prophesy to you in Jesus' name there'll be less people in this room tonight praying on their knees than there are sitting on their butts right now in church. How dare you? Are, you? are you criticizing me for coming to church? Absolutely not. Are you criticizing me because I don't like to pray? Uh, if the shoe fits, put it in your mouth, put some salt and pepper on it, chew on it till it makes your breath stink. It's time for us to rise up and do what God called us. Well, the, I was going to, but I, I, it's my only afternoon to, but I was tired and up. Okay. I'm going to leave you with this. I used, to, I used to say this every message. First three years I preached, I finished every, almost every sermon the same way. I'd list off all those excuses, and I'd say, you think Jesus was hurting in his body when he carried that cross for you? You think Jesus was tired when he was pushing up with his nail-pierced feet and pulling down with his nail-pierced hands to try to expand his lungs to draw the last breath of oxygen as he, let, as he was dying on the cross for you? You think Jesus went through anything to purchase salvation for you? Well, that's not fair, Pastor. You know I was going to plant some flowers today in the flower bed. There's no verse in the whole Bible that says, and they took notice of them that they had spent time planting flowers in their flower bed. There's no verse in the whole Bible that says, and they took notice of them, and they marveled at them that they had caught a nap on Sunday. There's no verse in the whole Bible that says they marveled and they took notice of them that they uh, had, a, had the best barbecue in the city that day. 
Pastor, saying stuff like that going to make people feel bad and not come to church. It's not, my, it's not my goal to make you feel bad, and it's certainly not my goal to make you not want to come to church, but it is my explicit goal to tell you that we need to spend more time with God. Got to read his word. Got to pray. We got to sing songs to God outside of this building. Psalm 100 verse 4 says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Enter into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. That's not just something to do here. You ought to spend time thanking God outside of this room. You ought to spend time singing to God outside of this room. Because it's as we spend time with God that, hear me good, we transition. Your transition will come in proportion to the amount of time you spend with God. Peter transitioned from timidity to boldness. You can transition from where you are now to where God wants you to be in direct correlation to the amount of time you spend with God. You sing a a song in the old church, I have decided to follow Jesus. And everybody swears that. Oh, Pastor Scott, God is my numero uno. Y'all hear that? I rolled that thing. Numero. Numero uno. God is my number one. God is my ichiban. Mm. Is he? If people watched your life, they would have an idea of what they think your number one is. And I'm going to leave you with this. God is watching. He already knows. He already knows. He knew when Peter was denying him three times that Peter was not putting him first. He knew on Pentecost when Peter put himself at risk of incarceration that he was putting him first. Well, why does it have to cost me something? Because God desires a sacrifice. God is the one who said you reap what you sow. You get back what you put out. Did God give a sacrifice on the cross 2,000 years ago? When he came in the form of human flesh, dwelt among us and allowed us to behold his glory. When he suffered and bled and died on a cross and raised himself from the dead three days later. Christianity is about sacrifice. See, that's what the megachurch movement doesn't understand. It's not about who can have, listen, it just is what it is. And, and, and it's overplayed at this point. The front runners were really cool and catchy in the early days of the megachurch movement when they set up in their foyer giant uh, wagons and had Starbucks coffee in their wagons, and they, they, were, they were front runners because they were, they were smart with marketing, and they rode across the top of their wagon, holy grounds for coffee. What do you think is more important, having the right blend of coffee in the foyer or recognizing that wherever God is is holy ground? It's not about the size of the crowd. It's not about who has the best programs, parking, the most fun. It's about being with Jesus. And that's a sacrifice. And sadly, it's a sacrifice less and less people are willing to make. You're like, well, Pastor, we came today. Who are you hollering at? Us. Being here is good. That's obedience. That's obedience at 10.30 on Sunday. What about 10.30 on Monday? Can we give God more than Sunday morning? Or is that all he's worth to us? He gave the very best of what he had for us on Calvary. He gave us his very best. Come on, Victor. He gave us his very best. Are you willing to give him your best? Here's what's going to happen. You say, well, Pastor, I'm... And, and, and I hear it in my mind. 
because I've heard so many people say it. Well, I'm already doing everything I can do. I'm serving in five ministries. I'm here more than anybody. Let me ask you, if God was looking you right in the face and said, are you really doing everything you can do? Is, 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 is what you're doing all that I'm worth? Is that everything you have? It's not. We need to make a decision today. We need to decide to spend time with Jesus in this building and outside this building. We need to decide that Jesus is more important than money, games, fun, family, traditions, that Jesus is first. Because there is no other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. Bless me parties are not going to get people to heaven. Chasing everything under the sun outside of Jesus is not going to get anybody to heaven. So my last question to you today is how much time have you spent with Jesus this week? Is it enough? Is it enough that, that, that they see it on you? Is it enough that, that, that people recognize it in you? Is it enough that they can smell it on you? I've told you before, the word anointing is used much but understood little. To anoint in the, in the original language the Bible was written in, in the New Testament in the, in the Greek, to anoint was to rub up against. But not just to rub up against, but to rub up against and leave with that smell on you. There's always that one person that doesn't understand one, one squirt of your perfume is enough. It'll last longer if you quit putting on five squirts of it. You catch sister too much perfume, you hug her, you've been anointed. You're going to walk away smelling like that. But when's the last time you hugged up on Jesus long enough to walk away smelling like him? There ought to be a residue on the followers of Jesus Christ. There ought to be a residue. That's the anointing. See, if you ask people about the anointing, they, they got one verse of scripture in their mind. The anointing breaks the yokes. The anointing that breaks the bonds. And it is. But the anointing is not some magic spell. The anointing is a person, Jesus Christ, the anointed one. And the only way for us to have the impact on this world that God wants us to is for us to spend enough time holding on to him that we leave smelling different, talking different, living different. Association brings assimilation. That's why it's important, parents, that you don't let your children hang around the wrong people. They pick up bad habits. That's why it's important Adults, that you hang around the right people so you pick up good habits. But it's divine to hang around God and pick up that anointing. It's where everyone can see it on you. The greatest compliment you could ever get as a Christian, and I hope you live long enough to get it and you continue to get it all the days of your life, is when someone pulls you over and says, are you a Christian? And you say yes, and they say, oh, I knew it. There was just something about you. If that's happened in your life, you're blessed, and you've blessed the Lord. And they've taken notice of the time that you spent with Jesus. But if it's not happening every day, we got room to grow took notice of them not in their oratory ability not in their miracle working power they took notice that these people had been with Jesus we used to sing a song in the old church that said have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power and it asked are you washed in the blood of the lamb you ought to rub up against that suffering, bleeding servant. 
you ought to rub up against that ascended glorious Savior. Everything about your life ought to have the fragrance of Jesus on it. He said that we are the salt and we are the light of this world. When he was here, he was the light. He told us that we're to be the light. Not our own light. Him shining in us. The light has become dim in 2022. I told you so many times, salt is supposed to flavor. You ought to be flavoring your world for Christ. If they fire you, if they incarcerate you, if they execute you, Oh, what a glorious day that will be. When my Jesus, I shall see. It's got to be a way, church. It's got to be a way. I wish there was a magic wand I could wave over you to get you to stop playing games with Jesus. I'd wave it over myself and over you. You've got to get to the place where he's really number one. Where he, takes the, where he gets the most of our time, the most of our money, the most of our effort. Because there's a lost and dying world out there. They don't know how to get to heaven. They don't know Jesus is the only name that can get them there. God put us here to tell them. So I hope that you'll make a decision today to leave this place shining for Jesus. There are people that use that as a cliche. We got to make sure it's a reality. Are you salt? Are you flavoring everywhere you go for you? When they walk in, when you walk in, somebody ought to say, here she comes. Here he comes. Whether mockingly or in approval, it ought to be said. Here they come. Get ready. Here comes the Holy Spirit. Whether mockingly or with approval. Oh, Lord, everybody change their behavior. Here comes so-and-so, whether mockingly or with approval. Because if you spend time with Jesus, there's going to be a residue on you, and lost people are going to know. And here's the reality. When a lost person comes to you and says, I want what you have, that's a whole lot easier to lead them to Christ than trying to browbeat, Bible beat, and force religion down their throat. They need to see that we've been with Jesus. It's going to take time. We've got to do away with some things. But if you'll just do a little bit more of the right stuff and a little bit less of the wrong stuff, day by day, you'll grow into the man, the woman, the young person that God wants you to be. But see, here's the crazy thing. Jesus didn't just heal the whole world. He just didn't toss out healing as he went. People came to him. And he said, what do you want me to do for you? You got a desire to get better. You got to want what God has for you. And if you really, really, really want it. The Bible says, if you search with your whole heart, you will find him. He's not up for easy. He's not a cheap lover. He's not a part-time lover. And he doesn't need us. But if you ever realize that you need him, then you'll begin to cling to him. Paul said, that's what I want more than anything else, is to grab hold of the one who grabbed hold of me. I hope you'll grab hold of God today. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit that lives inside us. Thank you for your son who died for us. God, I thank you for raising Jesus from the dead, that he might be the first of many to be resurrected. God, I pray that you would save the lost in this place, and I pray for every true Christian that you'd give us a desire to spend more time with you so that the world would know that there's only one way to get to heaven. God, there truly is only one name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. So I thank you for the name of Jesus, and I pray you'd fill us with your spirit, God, and let us 
spend more time with you so that the world and everyone would see that we've been with you. Help us, God, to choose you more than we choose other things. Help us, God, to put you truly first in actions and not just words. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.